Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And just like that, it's another episode, The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I got a fantastic guest today. We've been chatting off the air, and I couldn't wait to hit record soon enough, and now the time has come. I'm sitting here with Mitchell Levy, who is the global credibility expert. Did you catch that? The global credibility expert. Let's bring him right into the conversation. Mitchell, so good to have you today. Josh, nice to actually hang out in a room with you. That's for sure. We do, and we compared these notes, we actually crossed paths face to face in person back in the day when that was a thing about a year and a half ago at the time of this recording. We were at a networking event together and um, you were uh, talking about your your book and it's the one that uh, on the screen you have right behind you. So let's get right into the whole concept of who you are and what you do. But first, each and every time I've seen you, the one time in person here today, uh, every video that I've seen, you're wearing the hat. And I'm so glad that it came along for the ride today. (laughs) Explain this to me. Is this a branding choice or is it something uh, more or less interesting than that? (laughs) Well, it comes with a fun story, as many things do. So uh, the... uh, My wife and I, for the last 20 years, now this year was an exception. We take a month and and rent a house somewhere in Europe, and we invite friends and family to come visit. And it's it's just a, from a uh, get us all together, have friends and family, enjoy each other, enjoy life. Many of our guests will never have had been to Europe before, so Mm. they're getting their passports. and, And the good news is my wife does all of that arrangement and I just show up and, and I don't, I can't, as an entrepreneur, I can't turn off. But what I do do is I turn off biz dev. So any existing clients, any other things I'll still have conversations with, but I, I turn off. So it was somewhere around this last year, unfortunately, because of COVID, we had to unwind a, a really amazing trip to Antwerp. And I can't wait oh, wow. for us to get back on, on that track. So we were going to Paris. It was four weeks in Paris. And I used to always wear a baseball cap, not as much as I wear, you know, this thing right now. And, and my <laughs> wife comes in one day and, and she, and she's holding this in her hand, not this one. Uh, that would be kind of sad. Um, she's, she's holding this hand. She, and she goes, honey, we're not going to be those stupid Americans that wear a baseball cap in <laughs> Paris. And, and of course I unsuccessfully try to argue with her and when what I often do, I don't always post every day um, when uh, particularly on Facebook, I don't post every day. But when I do go to Europe, I try to take enough pictures and I just do a collage. And 
And it turns out the first couple of days, as I'm posting some of the selfies with this thing, my fan base went so <laughs> nuts. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should keep it. And so wow. how'd it come about? Uh, my wife didn't want me to look like a stupid American tourist. And it's been here ever, ever since. Uh, what's not lost on me is um, we spend every year one month with family and friends in Europe. Uh, wow, cool. How how does one how did you get to that point the first time you chose to do it? Did you have the ability to take the month off and you grabbed it, not knowing that this was going to be an annual thing? Did you always want to do something like this? What was the tone around the happening? So, uh, by the way, for those who have Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek, so Tim interviewed me for, for his book, and the publisher decided, so I'm in the acknowledgments. So this, my story wasn't told, but he interviewed me for the book. It, um, I was, let's see, my son is now 22. And it was about six months. He was somewhere between six to 12 months old. And, and I was the standard Silicon Valley guy working seven, seven days a week and just, you know, entrepreneur, lots of different things going on. This was during the dot-com days. And so there was always lots of things to do. Um, and so I, as I'm talking to my friends and we're talking about things going on, somebody gave me a great idea. And that is I should take Sunday off. And, and spend it with my son. So I go to my wife and say, I have a present for you. I'm going to take every Sunday off and I'll spend it with my son. Now, she was smart enough. Like, we don't always have TV type, TV, you know, TV sitcom type answers. But she was like, right, like this. She goes, that's a great present for you, honey. What about me? First of all, slap in the face. I had no idea that. And by the way, and it turned out that is so true. It was a present to me. Hmm. Um and so I said, well, let me think about this for a second. And, and I, I was trying to figure out what it was. And, it, and I took about a minute or two. And I just thought, well, she loves going to Europe. She wants to see more of me because uh, even though I'm, I, I, this is my Silicon Valley garage. I now call it the credibility garage. And I've been That's great. working out of the house since 1997. But, but it was still, she needed more. And I said, well, what if I took five or six weeks off a year? And uh, we went to Europe and, and she likes booking stuff. You, you have to do all the work, like you book it and, and all this stuff. And then, and then we'll go. And, and, and actually literally the, the first place we went was a, I, I kind of want to say a farmhouse in France. I mean, it was, it was a, and, and we, we only had two guests come visit us because nobody believed that we were actually telling the truth. And, and my wife didn't believe until we were going and, and uh, and then the next year we had 28 guests come visit because wow. people actually did believe. Right? So, but it was it was the present to her. And when I when I look back at this year, because it's missing, hmm. what a beautiful stabilizing force for for us and friends and family. Because you know you spent for her, she's spending six months sort of planning and prepping and getting things set. And then we have another six months to talk about it. And then we get on the next one. So it was, it's a really nice lifestyle. I guess the foreign entrepreneur, here's the answer. If you build a business, you need to build a business that you could actually walk away from. Now, there's a couple of different, different definitions of walk away. Uh, one bigger definition is uh, when it's time to retire, you have something you could sell or move into a place where it helps your retirement income or you already set for life. 
but also the I learned early on in my career when remember when we had to carry pagers I don't know if you remember those days Josh I remember when I had to carry a pager I was working for a bank and I got paged on a Saturday and I'm like what the heck is this and you know the being tied to your business with a pager or whatever vehicle it is today, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's something else. So the the best thing you could do is create a create a business where the systems just work efficiently. And this is what the the concept, the precept of the four hour work week is, is create a create a business that you can actually walk away from. And by walking away, it means that you could you could focus on the stuff that's cool. In my case, um, the CEO is always the best person for the for the rainmaking. So get me in front of the prospects. But the, the actual running of the business, if my team can't do it, I've not done something right. And so that's something you got you to gotta strive for if you don't have it in your, in your current entrepreneurial effort. What were you doing in the, in the 90s, in that era, in that area of the world, Silicon Valley, where you still are today? So I was, uh, I, my last time I worked for a company was Sun Microsystems, and I left in 1997. And at the time, I was running the e-commerce component of Sun Supply Chain, which was three and a half billion. And so I, I, hang up, I hung up my shingle as, as a e-commerce. Uh, at the time, this was before IBM spent a billion dollars changing the word e-commerce to e-business. Mm. So I, I hung up the shingle as uh, a e-commerce consultant, which was essentially, I was the guy who'd run around to CEOs and VP of operations and I would say, hey, you know, there's this new technology. It'll allow us to talk directly to our customers. And on the upside, it'll allow our subcomponent manufacturers to drop ship the solution directly to our customers. Josh, I was actually walked out of the door in some organizations wow. because they said, they said the Internet's a fad. That's not going to happen. And uh, and so we, we we know where that we know where that ended up. And so uh, speaking, consulting, uh, retainer work, just what does it mean to use the internet and incorporate it into your business? So that was that was really the '90s. One of the I'm trying to think of a couple of things. Uh, do you remember the conference Comdex? Of course. Com- Comdex was the largest IT conference. I was I, I was hired to to um, run four conferences for Comdex. Um, at San Jose State um, University, I created, I think, at both San Jose State and UC Santa Cruz, I created four different executive business programs. But the one that was great was called e-commerce management. And we had people from around the world fly into uh, San Jose for three months to learn what this thing was and how it's going to change change business. And also, how did you how did you get in front of Tim Ferriss for that opportunity. How did that come about? So Tim is uh, way back when uh, he was doing volunteer work for a firm called the SD Forum, the Software Development Forum. Um, I was running. Uh, I was running a group, a working group in the forum, and so we we knew each other. And uh, one day, I think he just asked, "I'm like, okay, happy to talk to you." Wow, what brought you? out west to begin with in that right place for the right time for what you were doing and setting yourself up for you came from new york right everything in life is about serendipity i love that and what what often happens and and i I love using this let me let me show you something i often use this as a prop 
we are often handed life on a silver planner. We're given all these gifts. And so many people are so focused on who they are and what they have to do today that they ignore the gifts that are handed to them. Hmm. Um, it turns out I, 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 met a, I met a girl. Uh, I was living in Boston for three years and uh, I met a girl who moved to California and she ended up moving surprisingly 15 minutes away from, California is a big place. Sure. She ended up moving 15 minutes away from my parents and six months after I met her, I moved out here and we've been married for 31 years now. So we've known each other for 34 years. That's beautiful. I love bringing in uh, serendipity to the whole conversation. The more me and my business partner move through our PodMax brand event and business, the more we acknowledge just how, you know, wow, this is almost crazy. We were just talking about this and now we're having the, the right conversation with the right person about it. And that just happens over and over again. And we're not questioning it. We're like, yeah, that's, that's just the universe. We're doing the right stuff at the right time. Let's just, let's just keep, it, keep it going. So let's turn the conversation to, to your big brand of credibility. Um, I've, I've consumed your, what I could say is your first TED Talk, knowing that you now have a second that will be coming out. Um, but the first one is, uh, is magnificent. It's all about showing up as the thought leader, establishing credibility, positioning yourself, breaking down the structure of really what it takes, starting with vulnerability and moving through. So let's talk about the big broad picture of you and credibility. How and why did you find yourself there? Why was it so important that you stand for that? You know, I, I think uh, let's stick with the serendipity perspective. I believe what I'm, we'll do the end result. I believe what I'm doing now, I've been tasked or asked to do by the universe my entire life. I just finally woke up and said, yes, I'll do mm. it. All right, we'll get, so what is that? I'll show that in a minute. So I've been, um, during the dot-com days, one of the things that I learned is in the dot-com bust, I was doing great speaker consulting, retainer, all this stuff. And wow. one day, one day, my revenue went to zero overnight. The best lesson I learned, two lessons actually, one is that it wasn't me. It wasn't anything I did, just the mm -hmm. world changed. And I knew that e-commerce was not going away, but for a two-year period-ish, nobody wanted to invest in anything e-commerce. Lots of people lost money in the, in the, in the, cra in the crash. And, and so the other thing I learned is having multiple revenue streams. Uh, I had, had a small business that was called uh, uh, CEO Networking. It was, uh, I ended up running four different CEO networking groups for a decade. And at the time, it was making $40,000 a year. And I was just about ready to... Huh to throw it out because I couldn't afford to work on something that would just make that amount of money. And then my business went to zero. I'm like 40,000 a year. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Perspective. Um, yeah. So yeah. true. Um, so I was always trying to find what was that next thing. And I realized publishing was. So 2005, I started a book publishing company. So far, we published over 750 bucks. Oh, wow. And when I did the first TED Talk, which was – it's a little bit more commercial in nature. Um, you could just Google Mitchell Levy TED Talk. It's, it actually mm -hmm. moved 
from YouTube also to TED. That's right. And, and I've got 40,000 views on YouTube and 40,000 on TED. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of happy with those numbers. I wasn't unhappy. And what you could see by watching it is I do a good job of simplifying the world, right? Generally speaking. And, that, and it's this one, being seen and being heard as a thought leader. And when I started thinking about the idea we're sharing with premise of TED, I realized that I, for some odd reason, I realized I was serving the wrong customer as a publisher. I was serving people who would write their own books. The problem with people who write their own books is they still think, many of them, their content, their concepts are so phenomenal. As soon as they write it in book form, they're going to be found and life will change and they don't need to do any marketing. And that's just not the way the world works anymore. So I realized I needed to do something new. So what we do now is done for you book publishing. So 2018, I built the writing school. We put people through. I was practicing in 2018. At the beginning of 2019, I ended up going to one of my friends and we rebranded me. And I ended up with a brand, Global Credibility Expert. And what was interesting is I felt comfortable being a focusing on thought leadership for so long. I felt comfortable with that. But about two months after sort of holding that brand, I woke up and had a Napoleon Hill moment. So this is the serendipity thing. It was somewhere in my brain. It just hit uh -huh. me. And I just thought, Napoleon Hill, 500 millionaires think and grow rich. Mitchell Levy is going to interview 500. Wait, by the way, the conversation when I told my team, guess what we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, I'll help you. We'll build the systems, right? Um, Mitchell Levy, we're going to interview 500 thought leaders on credibility. And I know I'm going to do a book, but I don't know what else. And and so what I didn't realize, Josh, is what my true calling was, what I really needed to do, what the, what the universe was telling me I needed to do for, for so long. So let's, now let's fast forward close to the end. Um, first, let me tell you some stats. You'll see this for those when the, when the TED Talk comes out, you'll hear these. These stats are, are, are really silly to me. First, 2% of the people I interviewed have zero integrity. They did not show up for their interview and they did not say why before or afterwards. Oh, wow. Now, lots of people, when they hear that, they go, oh yeah, that's, I, I got that. Hey, 2%, that's pretty good. That's not good. Just to be clear, that is not acceptable. I do not want to work with somebody who's going to book an interview to be live on my show and not show up, right? Not just interview-wise, I don't want them in my life. Oh, sure. Right? No integrity. All right. Uh, the next thing, 4% of people were rude. Now, I define rude in this case yeah, wow. is you have a live show and they come after the hour for a live show. So let me put this in another way. You're being interviewed by the global credibility expert on your credibility. You think it's credible to come after the hour for a live show. And I just go like, huh? 4%. Hmm. Overall, Josh, 23% of people were late. Now, I define late for a live show is three minutes to the hour, right? So, because if you're doing a live show and somebody comes like, in three minutes or less, you're panicked. You're like, oh, what do I do? Oh, How my do God. I yeah. Yeah. Aiden. We do a live show. Yeah. I'm so right. uh, let me do a couple more. Sure. 80% of the people. So what would happen is uh, you and I had some green room conversation. I always find it really valuable just to get to know somebody sure. a little bit. Normally, by the way, I, in this one, I let you ask me questions. Normally, I'm asking questions and getting people to feel comfortable. And more importantly, in the interviews, I ask the same five questions every time. And, and when somebody signs up for an interview, 
I'm actually sending them a 13 minute video on how to prepare for yes. that five minute interview. Yes. Right? And, and so I'm walking through the five questions with them. In the 13 minute pre for them to prepare. Oh, well, they've, they've actually watched the 13 minute video. They've watched past episodes. So when I was doing the interviews, yeah, it was somewhere around 15 minutes up front in green room. Then we do the five minute, then we do the five minute interview. Uh, then I get a testimonial and then I move to the next person. I mean, it's just, it was, Wow. I was doing 20, sometimes I did as many as 22 a week on Tuesday and Wednesday. So about 12, 10 to 12 a day. To get to 500. Yeah, yeah I did about, did about 12, uh, 12 months. What's interesting is when you get to know somebody, when they really open up and they talk about who they are and what they do, and they, they really feel kind of, my job was to make people shine. Mm -hmm. So when they really felt good about themselves, um, that's great. And then I would go back and relook at how they showed up on their website and their LinkedIn profile, and it sucked. 80% hmm. of the people who I talked to who were great in person suck. And I, I decided to use the word asynchronously. That's great. They sucked asynchronously. Synchronously, yeah. they were great. Mm -hmm. Asynchronously, they sucked. All right. Now, here's the last stat. This is the one that got me, that hit my, hit the chord. 98% of the people I interviewed needed clarity on who they serve and what problem they served. 98%. This, this is simply, so I came up with a phrase, it's called CPOP, customer point of pain. A CPOP is typically one to 10 words. It's one to three seconds. It is, here's what's really cool. If you can actually articulate a CPOP, that's either one word or four words or six words, right? If you can articulate a CPOP that is so short, it's memorable. If it's memorable, it's shareable. And by the way, it turns out that your CPOP is your purpose. So my CPOP, my customer point of pain, it's broad humans that want to be seen as credible. That particular one happens to be both a pain point and aspiration point. And, you know, I, I in the book, I, I listed a, a number of those that my top 10 that I loved. I have a link that goes to a webpage that lists all 500 CPOPs that people had. And what would happen, Josh, is sometimes the simplicity of actually knowing your CPOP and being able to articulate changes everything. I would, for those people who were really present to themselves, I could actually see their body shakes. And, and so what I realized, and I, and I say this in, in, in the TED talk, I, what I realized is I'd spend five or 10 minutes with somebody. And in some cases, say some choice words of wisdom and completely change the trajectory of their lives. Because if you know your purpose and you know that customer point of pain, and then you you, you go to your LinkedIn profile and you go to your website and you optimize around that, you're actually now magnetizing your purpose. So you're attracting the people who need to see you so you can do the stuff that you love doing. It seems really simple. And truthfully, it is really simple. And when I realized that that would happen so fast, my wake up call was that this couldn't possibly be me. Right. It's, you know, I don't I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have this magic thing in the air. It's simply the framework that came out of the interviews. And when I now think about the world. So here's it, it took me about four or five minutes to get to the, the single single thing I wanted to say. <laughs> when I now think about the world, I've come up with a new definition of credibility. And when you think about credibility, I decided, uh, by the way, if you have 
something that's credible, then what's the nemesis of credible? And I decided that the nemesis was, was dubious because dubious is playful. Like dubious is something that I, as a credible person, can do things that are dubious. I just need to either catch myself or surround myself with accountability partners that can help me know that I did that, right? And so let me show you. This is now my life purpose. Besides my CPOP, of course, is, is humans I want to be seen as credible, but I now can characterize it in a single picture. And for those that are just listening to the podcast, if you think about the if you think about people who are credible, they are far outweighed by the number of people who are dubious. And so before I die, we will tip the scale between those people who are dubious and those people that are credible. Wow. Wow. So there's so much there to un unpack. So um, just to read it, it's fascinating because I asked, how did you, in essence, how did you, how did you come to embrace the whole credibility aspect of life? And to, to sort of recap that one night you had um, uh, an epiphany, a realization uh, to sort of go like Napoleon Hill, who uh, interviewed 500 for Think and Grow Rich. And you're like, oh, I could take that and apply it in this regard. And then it sent you down that path, not really specifically uh, knowing what the end result was, but discovering the result through the conversations, through the attitudes and traits of the very people you were interviewing, and then sort of going deeper down the road. That's a nice summary, Josh. Thank you for packing that into a, a small soundbite. I should say that. <laughs> I think you did. On this very show, you did say that. But what's yeah, but you, you said it more elegantly and quicker than I did. <laughs> I love the uh, the CPOP deal because we always hear as business people and leaders and entrepreneurs, what problem are you solving? Who are you pro uh, solving it for? What are their pain points? And just being able to succinctly, I mean, obviously in your case, if you created that, it's to your advantage to have your own example that is just masterful and, and it really is. Is there some sort of little exercise that we could be given to at least start that journey or is there a framework that we could- Beautiful, yeah. beautiful question. Um, so, uh, so yes. So it, one of the things that, that uh, if you go to just mitchelllevy.com slash CPOP, the definition is there and the videos there. Oh, great. If you join the, the membership community called Credibility Nation, even as a basic member, I have a course on how to create your own CPOP. The, the problem is, and, and this is the opportunity for you to be thinking about, is we're taught so everything we're taught is dubious. Not everything. Most of what we're taught is dubious. It's it's when we're born, we're all born innocent. We're neither credible nor dubious. And what happens is we're taught things that seem to work, but aren't necessarily credible, but because they work, we keep doing it. Hmm. So we're taught, the, the biggest thing that we're taught is when you get in front of a group, what's your elevator pitch? And your elevator pitch typically incorporates your value proposition. Your value proposition starts with the word I or we. Hmm. Now, in doing the interviews, just like on a web page, there's ad blockers. Yeah. Doing the interviews, there's a select group of people that are salespeople blockers. And when you start a conversation, the first words out of your mouth is I or we. They they say salesperson and they shut off for the next 30 seconds. Wow. I mean, literally, they shut up. So your value proposition is not heard by those people, period. 
And so the first words out of your mouth need to be something that can elicit trust. And so the, the, the CPOP is really two components. Who do you serve? Now, if it's going to be 10 words or less, Josh, so many people come in, well, I serve speakers, author, consultants, yeah. <laughs> information providers, coaches. I, what, those are your 10 words. Like, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. Right. So find one. Right. It's and there's there are many different ways to do that. So who do you serve? And then the other thing is, what is that pain point? Now, people say, oh, I solve multiple pain points. No. If you elevate the real root cause of what it is you solve, there's only one. I've not found anybody in the world that we haven't been able to articulate a CPOP. Uh, let me give you an interesting example. Is, would that be okay to go? Please. So I had a CTO of a multi-billion dollar company. And, and, and by the way, in the 13-minute video, I challenged people to be part of the 2%. And obviously, he was, he was curious to be, he wanted to be. So he goes, Mitchell, I'm that guy. I'm going to be in the 2%. I'm like, great, great. What's your CPOP? And he goes, um, customer experience. Is that it? Do I win? <laughs> and I, and uh, I'm so happy that you know people like to gamify themselves that way. And I go, that sounds really good, and it could be, but let me see how you answer questions two and three. Uh, question two is really where your value proposition comes in. Question two is, tell me more. So once you have your CPOP, the next thing you're going to say is, tell me more, mm. because that means somebody's interested in it. Yeah. Mom, by the way, tell me more is a minute or less, right? So tell me more. And then the third question I ask, how do you have credibility to do what you do? As he's talking, what he mentions is that his business actually did in the previous week what they had done the entire last year. And he was so proud of the way in which his systems scaled. Mm. That's where his passion really was. So, you know, we're going through the, the interview. And, and after his, his third answer, I, and by the way, we're not live because this is part of the green room. And, and I said, I, I think you have a different CPOP. Do you mind if I share it with you? He goes, okay. And I just said, and this one is one that's just a single word. I said, I think it's scalability. And his face lit up his like, and this is stuff I don't have on camera because I, I truly feel that when people are uh, being uh, honest and uh, truthful and vulnerable, it's not the right time. I, I know there's all these reality TV shows that do that, but for me, I, I want, I want people to, to really experience it without worried about anything. So mm -hmm. his face though, his body lit up. He's like, Oh my goodness. That, that's really it, right? And, and so then we went through the questions with the proper CPOP and then everything fell into place. And it's not that customer experience is not a bad, but that's not what lit him up. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches, and consultants, investors, 
investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. So it's the thing that, so in, in that example, scalability means that's that's the problem and the pain point that he's solving and that resonates immediately with his end user, with his ideal client. And then that gives him all through this credibility to advance the relationship. It, so I'm going to say yes. And what I want to say is customer experience is still important. He just bundles that in as part of scalability. That's right. Right. It's so, so somebody would say, well, I focus on scalability and customer experience. One of them is more important. One of them is the bigger picture for you. Yeah. Right. It, and it's no right for it. There's no right or wrong mm. on your purpose. <laughs> right. So, I guess there is one wrong. Uh, hate, hate's bad. Hate's wrong. Other yeah. than that, yeah. there's no right or wrong. So when we're talking about credibility, am I getting this right that um, I, I know it's a complex aspect of life, let alone business, but to that point, when we're talking about credibility, are we in fact talking about personal credibility like you acknowledge? Like, don't show up late, don't miss the meeting altogether and ghost me and I don't know what happened and I don't hear from you. That's bad personal credibility. Sure, it overflows to business, but there are two levels, right? How do you experience personal credibility and then credibility within your business slash reputation? Is that a, is that a first cousin? Where does that fall on? So, uh, uh, first, we're going to say, I don't believe that credibility, credibility is complex because you've got the wrong definition in the dictionary today. Credibility is complex because people are talking about things like, uh, what, what people come to me and said, Mitchell, why credibility versus integrity or authenticity? At, the, at first, I couldn't, by the way, integrity and authenticity are part of the definition of credibility. Mm. And, and now I could give you the answer. Uh, I'll give you a quick answer integrity or authenticity without a framework is not necessarily a good thing. Hmm. Somebody could be, have the integrity to have hate or have the authenticity to be hateful. And they're still, they still have integrity and authenticity, but their end goal is not credible in terms Hmm. of doing betterment for society. Right. So, so the answer to your question is it's all the same. And this is the world we're moving towards today. You can't be credible externally until you're credible internally. And so what it brings up is, well, what if I'm faking it internally? And I hate, by the way, no, no, that's bad. Oh, by the way, keep this in here. I got to get hate out of my vocabulary 100%. How about I say, I really don't like the phrase, fake it till you make it. That is so wrong because you're, that's not credible. Don't fake it till you make it. Be transparent. Let's say, you know, if, 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 you, if it's the first time you're doing something, this is the first time I'm doing something. And then you could say, I don't want to charge you. I'll charge you less than I will normally charge you. And I want one thing at the end. If you like what I do, give me a video testimonial, right? I mean, don't fake it, but actually live it. 
and get your credibility, get your PhD in the School of Hard Knocks by actually delivering your purpose. You need to be credible internally to your credit before you can be credible externally. And part of that means having that integrity is probably the integrity of the 10. So uh, credibility has three pillars and it's, it's the phrase we already know, know, like, and trust. Credibility is the quality in which we are known, the quality in which we are liked and the quality in which we are trusted. And by being known, it's not that, Josh, I know you, it's that I actually know you, that I actually understand your intent and commitment to do the right thing. I understand your servant leadership, your desire to serve others. I understand your integrity, that you live by your word, right? So, so that's the no components. So in each one of the three pillars, there's ultimately 10 components, and these are things for those of you who have, who have read the book, Everything I Needed to Learn in Life, I Learned in Kindergarten, these are things you learned in kindergarten, but the world keeps teaching you to do things dubiously, and they work, and so you do it. So go back to what your mom and your grandma and what you were taught in kindergarten as the right thing to do, and, and if you did just that, you would probably live life a whole lot more credibly. Well, I am uh, I'm upset that this interview is coming to an end. My goodness, it's so so exciting. It's 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 really a pleasure, Mitchell, to speak to you and with you about this. And um, I, I I get it. I see it. I want more of it. So for those people, where where can they go to f- follow up on the conversation? You know the 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 place that is the most relevant. Just go to credibilitynation.com. And, and this particular week, the cool thing is, is I, I haven't announced this publicly yet, but I got the official trademark for the word, uh, registered trademark for the word Credibility Nation, or phrase Ooh, Credibility Nation. How was that process? Oh, that's always fun. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. It's yeah, always fun. It's, uh, it's actually it's so much better. I've, I've, I've got a bunch of trademarks and uh, you could use a lawyer, you could do it yourself. I end up doing stuff myself because I, I want to follow through and 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 feel like I'm part of the process. Um, so go to credibilitynation.com. Trademarked. At the lowest yeah. level, trademarked, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> At the lowest level, um, what happens is we, we, do, we do monthly learnings, monthly spotlights. We send, a, every week, we send a two to three minute video with a credibility challenge, issue, mm. concern. There are courses you could take, like how to build your own CPOP. Uh, and then there are other levels as well. And then uh, Credibility Nation is at, at today's world, it is four months old. So we're a baby, right? I'm not gonna fake it till I make it. We, I'm gonna tell you exactly where we are today. And the question is, if this appealed to you, if this is interesting to you, if you want this in your life as part of your business, well, come and play. Because if we're gonna affect the lives of billions of people, there's lots of opportunity for you to carve your niche today because we're at the beginning. So come, come to credibilitynation.com and, uh, and come and make this a better planet. Wow, absolutely brilliant. So, so good, so powerful. Thank you, Mitchell, for spending time. Really appreciate it today. My pleasure, I love your questioning. It it brought out a different side to me, so thank you. I'll take it, I appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody tuning in, spending your time with us. We're gonna do it again before too long. You know the deal. Until we do it again, go get them. 
Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.